Welcome to another edition of Inside the Athlete's Mind. My name is David Strukel. We're now on Spotify and SoundCloud, and I'm a professor of communication at Hiram College and also the director of the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship at Hiram College. Joining me, as always, Andrew White. He's a professor of psychology and the coordinator of the sport management program at Hiram College. Andrew, hello. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, and congratulations on the new title. You tried to slip that in there, but well-deserved. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Business cards are being printed somewhere, I hope, Uh, so I cannot wait. Uh, It's always exciting. Can't wait to get things going in entrepreneurship at Hiram College. Well, we record today on a historic day, and at the time, I wonder how many people actually thought, wow, will this actually gain momentum? Four years ago today, San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem. He was roundly criticized by several NFL owners, the president, and now here we are four years later, and teams, NBA basketball teams were threatening boycotts. NFL commissioner Roger Goodell finally admitted a few months ago that he and the league were wrong in not getting behind Kaepernick, and the reason why, well, Jacob Blake, 29-year-old black man who was shot several times by police in Wisconsin, he's now paralyzed. And this is according to his attorney, Benjamin Crump, who earlier this week said that Blake had undergone surgery and his life was in the balance there for a while. And just another episode of something that was caught on video and shared. And Andrew, we were having these discussions months ago when we were talking about George Floyd and here we are back again. And the reverberations from this incident in Wisconsin have been deep already. Of course, earlier this week, the Lakers and Clippers were talking about boycotting games. Doc Rivers, in a very emotional uh, video I saw on Twitter, said it's amazing why we keep loving this country, and this country does not love us love us back. And then it was, I guess, a late announcement uh, sometime that it was decided the NBA would resume playoffs, but three games on Thursday would be postponed. And uh, the Cleveland sports teams, I thought I saw the Indians, Browns, and Cavs, they decided to team up, and they formed an alliance to address social injustices in Northeast Ohio. And they're looking at strategies at improving the relationship between law enforcement and citizens, encouraging nonpartisan voting activities, and increasing opportunities for quality education for everyone. And, you know, we've talked about this many times, Andrew, the intersection of things outside of sports and athletes as well and we're there again and we've referenced that comment made by a certain commentator who said shut up and dribble but here we are it's the pro athletes that are speaking up and taking action yeah and really leading the way Uh, i mean we had the milwaukee bucks were the first team to just say nope we're not going to play tonight and that uh, they caught a lot of the other nba teams off guard with that on Wednesday uh, so they had some follow-up conversations as uh, athletes and coaches and then more recently owners and board of governors uh, but they took a lead and they were in the locker room during which had been the game calling Wisconsin Attorney General and calling other uh, political figures for that state trying to bring about change and they're actually having an impact uh, I believe the governor of the state or somebody called legislators back. They were out of session and they're having emergency sessions to talk about police reform. And this is all driven from an NBA team. 
Exactly. And, you know, I saw LeBron James tweet as well. He tweeted to his I Promise students at his school in Akron. And good to see that the athletes are engaging the younger generation to get involved as well. And just very positive, the emotions, the, the actions that are taken right now by what we're hearing and seeing from those that are, you know, that were previously told to shut up and dribble or, hey, you're just an athlete. No, they have a lot of influence. Absolutely. The yeah, one, and go the, ahead. NBA is, the NBA is doing some great things about this. Uh, the players coming back to the bubble, they said this has got to be more than just basketball. We, we want to make statements about uh, social inequality. And uh, in this most recent incident, they, like we already said, started to boycott games and they refused to come back and play unless some change was at least attempted. And now we have every uh, every team that actually owns their arena, they're going to be working to have that arena actually serve as a voting location or a voter registration location for the upcoming election. Uh, they're, they're really trying to bring about some change. That's awesome. The one person I want to bring about that I started talking about was Kaepernick. And a lot of people are saying, well, do something. You know, why take a knee? Well, in doing a little research on Colin Kaepernick, the guy has given out money upon money upon money. Of course, he has a lucrative contract with Nike. But in 2018, he had a $1 million pledge where he gave to many different organizations and had matching donations from different celebrities. Uh, he gave $50,000 to Meals on Wheels, Black Veterans for Social Justice, $25,000, Life After Eight, Life After Hate for $50,000, Communities United by Police Reform, $40,000, Colin Kaepernick's own Know Your Rights Camp, $100,000. So the criticism that hey, do something. Well, here's a guy who's getting paid a lot of money by endorsements, Nike, what have you, and he's putting it right back out there into the community and for social justice and causes. Absolutely. Moving on, you know, we mentioned the NBA, and I saw we've already had a coaching change this week and obviously felt very under the radar considering all the other events going on. The Indiana Pacers made a coaching change. The organization announced on Wednesday that it has fired head coach Nate McMillan after four seasons. The decision comes just two days after the Pacers were swept in the first round of the NBA playoffs by the Miami by the Miami Heat. And the Pacers went 45 and 28, finished in the Eastern Conference's number four seed, but struggled against the Heat without all-star big man DeMontis Sabonis. And who missed the series with a foot injury, Victor Oladipo, the team's star guard, was limited to just 19 games the season after tearing his quad muscle last season. And, of course, the move to fire McMillan comes just two weeks after the Pacers gave him a contract extension. McMillan told reporters it was a one-year deal with a team option for 21-22. And I always fear for coaches. It's a tough world. You're dealing with injuries, and you, even though he got a contract extension, he still get, still got fired. And I just can't imagine the day-to-day pressure that a coach feels. And Andrew, you, you've coached, you've been, you're part of a team. And how often do coaches even think about that? Is it even on their radar right now? And if you could talk about some of the pressures that coaches think about. Yeah, I mean, right now. 
probably not really on the radar for a lot of coaches. Uh, like you said, there are just so many bigger things at play, and you got to be looking out for the overall well-being of your athletes at this point more than your job security. Uh, in terms of more normal times, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that will go through your mind, and depending on what level you're at, what actually puts your job at risk is going to change. So at a collegiate level, again, it's going to depend on the level. Division three level coaches, a lot of times what determines their ability to maintain the job is how good of a job are you doing at bringing in students? Are you recruiting student athletes to come to the college? Uh, performance matters, but it's going to vary from one school to the next. If you're bringing in numbers and your team isn't performing well, that still might be fine to keep your job. As you get up uh, to the more, we'll call it elite levels of collegiate athletes, so Division Two, Division One, uh, they're bringing in scholarship athletes, so performance is going to matter a little bit more. So yeah, you better be winning games as well as bringing in prospective students. And the same thing with professional athletes. Uh, that uncertainty is even bigger at that level. Uh, you're mentioning Nate McMillan and the Pacers pretty decent record overall i think they were the four seed going into the playoffs uh so yeah you were the fourth best team in the eastern conference but then you got swept so jab security goes out the window right away because you underperformed in the playoffs and they want to see the team moving forward beyond the first round of the playoffs because there's a big bottom dollar implications for things like that so uh, just beyond performance yeah how how much support do you have from the athletes on the team? You might have a great regular season, but you know, the players aren't really on board with your schemes for offense or defense. And then uh, if they're speaking out about that, maybe you lose your job even though you're performing well. Uh, it's, it's a difficult life, and a lot of coaches know that. And so there, there tends to be turnover, and you may see a coach coach for one team, end up coaching for a rival, and eventually come back to the same team that they were fired from before. It's kind of a revolving door of coaches sometimes. Yeah, and especially in these times with the racial unrest and everything, I think a lot of teams right now are not going to look for just solely an X's and O's guy. They want someone who can build relationships, get out in the community, and you know, be a true team builder. And I think there's just the resume now that a coach has is going to be so deep right now and you have to look for so many other intangibles as the former NBA coach Hubie Brown likes to say um, those those things you can't really quantify or put on you know list or put into a stat column but you know you're going to look for a lot of different things yeah and I, I think at the high school and collegiate level you are helping to grow tomorrow's men and women who are really leading our country forward and even at professional levels these are men and women already but you need to be there as a support system for them to help them feel comfortable and able to use their platform i think it was the uh i think it was ups who uh had the slogan what can brown do for you and looking at another coaching situation, we're going to talk about Mike Brown and the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers. They fired their head coach, Brett Brown, on Monday. So now the rumor's floating out there that Mike Brown, an associate head coach for the Warriors, might move to Philadelphia. Or he could go to New Jersey, or New Jersey, Brooklyn, where Kevin Durant is. 
And we've touched this on this before about player-coach relationships. Now, why Brooklyn? Well, because Kevin Durant is there, and Kevin Durant, of course, played for a few years in Golden State. There's a relationship relationship there with Mike Brown. And, uh, of course, if you're a coach and you're thinking about going to another place, how enticing is it to maybe take a job because you know the stud that's on that team can – you know, win you quite a few games. What what might Mike Brown thinking if he wants to leave uh, Golden State and possibly go to uh, Brooklyn? I mean, Mike Brown certainly has experience in <laughs> coaching uh, stud athletes. We'll say. Who? Um, <laughs> know anybody? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's something he's comfortable with. Um, in the end, it didn't work out long-term for him with the Cavs, but uh, he certainly has experience, and like you said, he's uh, been involved with uh, Durant in the past, and if they've got a good relationship, it could work out. Um, I, d- I don't know. I think I would be a little surprised if the Nets brought in Mike Brown, but or, well, I mean, the Nets... I'd be surprised. I'd be even more surprised if Philly brought him in, but who knows? Uh, he is a known quantity in terms of being a head coach in the NBA, and sometimes uh, teams are looking for that known. Exactly. Part of this whole rumor mill going around Brooklyn as well as Philadelphia, some of the news also centered around a possible trade involving Golden State and Philadelphia where Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons could be leaving Philadelphia, and that would be tough. That would stink if, hey, Mike Brown, welcome to Philadelphia. By the way, we're going to send away Joel Embiid. Um, so walking into those kinds of situations, I, I, I just feel badly for coaches that might be on the open market. The question I want to ask you, Andrew, as well. So if he has a tight relationship with Kevin Durant, is it great for a coach to have that one guy or one player on the team that he could say, hey, I need you to talk to the team about whatever. I think this is one thing I need you to handle. I'm going to step back for a minute. How important are those good, say, team captain, coach relationships where the coach can kind of go hands off and let the players hash things out? Yeah, that's great. I mean, it gives the coach an opportunity to essentially have a voice at all times uh, because they know that they've got a good understanding and a good relationship with that particular athlete or with a group of athletes who will uh, maybe be the well, I'll say the voice of reason, but really what I'm trying to say is uh, an echo for what the coach's message is intending to be, even if the coach isn't around. Uh, and, and that's that's really powerful. It helps bring people more into the fold of what your plan is. Indeed. This is Inside the Athlete's Mind. My name is David Struco. I'm joined by Andrew White. And closing out this week's uh, episode is got to talk about high school football. One of the few things that we get to enjoy, and in Ohio it's crazy, as well as other parts of the country, but week one is here. Got a great battle in my hometown of Maslin, Ohio, Lakewood St. Ed's is at Maslin, D1 Powerhouse at D2. The games, all the games are going to be streamed. The local pizza places right now are probably doing bang-up business. Uh, But hardly any fans will be there except the fans of the, the families of the players. So we'll be different for high school teams. I'm just curious about how teams will perform when their fans are going to be at home streaming games and all that. Uh, have there been any studies about, say, younger age athletes and how they perform, whether or not it's in front of a crowd or what have you? Is there anything that's been done on the, that kind of area? 
No, I'm not familiar with any work specifically looking at younger athletes with this. Uh, and part of that is because you get so much variability with younger uh, athletes. I mean, there are high school football teams who never have fans. And there are others, like Maslin, for example, where uh, the fans are crazy and in huge numbers. Yeah. So there's just a lot of variability to try to control for a study like that. And we haven't been in this situation before as a country. There have been instances here and there where fans weren't allowed, but uh, not enough for a whole lot of research on it. Uh, But it would be interesting. And... Uh, like you said, I'm sure pizza places are doing pretty well. Internet service providers are probably hoping for some uh, clear weather so that the <laughs> connectivity is okay. I, I, and I broadcast at very small high schools where you had hundreds of fans there. And it's yeah. such a small community feel. And I, I'm just curious because Paul Brown Tiger Stadium in Maslin seats, I don't know, about 14,000, 15,000, maybe a little more if you put some more uh, portable stands in there. So I can't imagine having... A couple grand in people there. Of course, you're going to have the band, maybe the football teams there. But I just can't imagine that kind of eerie atmosphere of, I, I, I don't know, just will, it will feel strange, I think, if I was there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be great. Uh, you just get a whole new way of evaluating teams. And you get to see how effective they are at focusing at the task at hand and how good the coach is at making them focus in on the task at hand. Momentum is going to be a little bit different without fans trying to generate and sustain that momentum. So it's it's a different game, uh, but it's it's no less of a game. You know, in my, my thing, I've always wondered, when you're playing in front of crowds and you're used to playing in front of 12,000, 13,000 fans, now all of a sudden you're down to 2,000, now you can hear your coach screaming from the sideline. And like you use that phrase, task at hand. How easy will it be to be more focused? Because now I can hear my quarterback calling out a signal. I can hear my coach screaming from the sideline, what have you. I'm just really curious how this will impact performance out there on the field because of just all these different things that are different. And can you even replicate this in some way in practice? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you could try. Uh, with football, it might be a little bit easier than with other sports just because there are so many numbers. You, I mean, it's fairly easy to set up a scrimmage and, uh, you know, just play, I don't know, and my hometown it would be brown versus gold, but, you know, mm. scarlet versus gray, you know, whatever. Yep. Play, play the two different sides, and essentially you're getting a pretty good replication of what some games may be like because there's not fans there. And I've heard recently, and the only reason I'm bringing this next item up is uh, that fantasy football drafts are going to be happening soon. And I thought I saw from my favorite team, the Miami Dolphins, that fans will be limited to about 12,000, 13,000 at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. So NFL players, they will be playing in front of fans, but again, not even, say, 25% capacity of the stadium. So the NFL, the big boys, will be experiencing a similar feel as well. Yeah. It'll be interesting, and we're not far out from the NFL started uh, starting up either. So, indeed, more more to come. All right, as we start to get wrap up this show and uh, talk about the first week of school, Andrew, any best wishes for students as uh, they start to uh, start their classes, whether online or face to face? No, I mean, make the most of it. Um, you know, 
follow whatever guidelines you're being given in terms of social distancing, wearing a mask, just making sure you're staying safe, protecting yourself and those around you. Yeah, I agree. Same thing here. Just wear a mask, be safe, practice social distancing, and we'll get through this fine. Andrew, thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. We'll be back in two weeks with another edition of Inside the Athlete's Mind.